Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial subscription, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for filmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Robin Barr. You betcha. You betcha. Oh, yeah. Um, we also have Bill Graham. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm getting a phone call. Uh, uh... <laughs> wow, that was that's the worst <laughs> goddamn thing. It was bad. It was bad. <laughs> that was so terrible. <laughs> Never do improv, man. Yeah. Oh, man. I can only imagine. Like, I, I, well, I fuck see- you guys. Y'all are supposed to just say yes and keep going. Not when it's that bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> Silence. Even even like even the greats of uh, improv. Like, I don't know who started it. Who was that good, guy? Good. This is Del great. Close. Del Close would have said, all right, may- sometimes you can't say yes. Sometimes we got to reset to one and take it again. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yes. So that's all the normal people. And we are joined today by a special guest to help us review the movie Blackberry, which is out in theaters now. It's Daniel Reynolds. Hi, everyone. Hello. Thanks for having me. How you doing? I'm doing Okay. Absolutely wonderful. Glad to hear it. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself to our listening audience? Uh, yes, I'm the uh, film critic, a senior content writer at Brief Take, a, a website uh, that focuses on, uh, let's say, movies and TV and uh, a little bit of Canadian stuff, which is what this movie is. So I'm happy to be here today to talk to you guys about it. This movie is indeed a little bit of Canadian stuff, and we are super excited to talk about it. And we are glad to have you here to help us uh, navigate all the thorny cultural issues. <laughs> um before we get into that all the usual stuff up top follow us on twitter at film state show facebook the film state show emails podcast filmstage.com give us a comment or review on itunes and of course go to patreon.com slash film state show for as little as one dollar an episode you get access to our super cool slack channel first crack at all movie related raffles from the film stage and uh you get the satisfaction of knowing that you help to support this podcast and all of the things that we do um so that's that um, yeah, we're also brought to you by Mubi, which, of course, is a curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there's always something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected, so you can explore the best of cinema streaming anytime, anywhere. You don't have to worry about uh, accidentally spending your time watching a movie like, oh, I don't know, The Mother, which is out on Netflix now, in which we had a 40-minute pre-record discussion about. <laughs> um, it only felt like 40 minutes, because just like the movie, it just was it felt too long. <laughs> yes. So, again, movie. The hand-selected films, they're incredible. You should check them out. But we'd also like to plug their award-winning movie podcast, which is returning for its third season. It's called Needle on the Record, a six-episode mixtape for film lovers. And I'll tell you what, a movie podcast that is about needle drops in cinema is basically perfectly aligned with the movie we're about to talk about today, uh, Blackberry, which features some incredible needle drops. Uh, Each episode of the movie podcast, Needle on the Record, explores an iconic needle drop that has become a pop culture 
from the 19th century waltz that launched Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey into Orbit to the 80s cover tune that Donnie Darko sent to the top of the UK pop charts. Guests include director Richard Kelly, actor Jenna Malone, music supervisor Randall Poster, and musicians Noel Hogan and Paul Douglas. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can also try movie for free for 30 days by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. That's mubi.com slash filmstage for a whole month of great cinema for free. So check it out. Um, That's that. Anyone have any uh, crazy updates about their life they need to get out of the way before we talk about the movie? Nothing crazy. All right. How's your how's your mouth healing, Robin? You still doing good? Mouth is good. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I I got new braces on my teeth earlier this week, which is awesome. And my orthodontist thinks that this whole saga will be over by December. Nice. Wow. Wait. Wait. <laughs> Damn. I didn't realize it was gonna be like a I have that long of a tail. Yeah. There's there's a lot going on. Apparently, which nobody told me ahead of time. It's very common for patients who go through jaw surgery to have a little bit of relapse because the muscle memory is so strong that basically, de- depending on what your jaw movements are, uh, your body kind of wants to go back to that older posture. Huh. So, you know, having a little bit of that, it's not nearly what it was, but I think that's what's going to take a longer time for the orthodontist to refine. All right, I have so many (laughs) other questions, but I know we have to talk about this movie, so I'll I'll take them off. (laughs) It's a whole thing. This is a major, major surgery. I'm going to open a new channel in the Slack channel for for patrons. (laughs) It's called Robin's Jaw. Mm. Or maybe Jawing with Robin. I don't know. I'll come up with a a pun of some kind, and we can ask all our questions there. Um, All right. But as I said, uh, we are here today to review the movie... Blackberry. Uh, this movie written and directed by Matt Johnson, uh, as well as being co-written by Jackie McNish and Matthew Miller. And this movie stars Glenn Howerton, uh, Matt Johnson, and Jay Baruchel. And it uh, chronicles the rise and fall, spoiler alert, of Blackberry, um, the once ubiquitous uh, phone company. Uh, so here is a bit of that old trailer. Yeah, what can I do for you? Okay, picture a cell phone and an email machine all in one thing. There is a free wireless internet signal all across North America and nobody has figured out how to use it. It's like the force. Sorry, have you seen Star Wars? No. That guy is sketchy. I don't think he's sketchy. The guy's a shark. I know how to market it, and I know who we can sell it to. But I want 50% of the company, and I've got to be CEO. I don't know who you think you are, but deal. Are you joking? All right. That's part of the trailer for BlackBerry, which is out now, and which we are here to discuss. And so let us do that. So uh, we begin, as always, with our nutshell, high-level, you know, 1,000 meters up review. Uh, Let's start with Daniel Reynolds. What are your all-around thoughts on BlackBerry? Well, I, I I really enjoyed it, and it's not just because I enjoyed uh, Glenn Howard's performance, although that's one of the reasons, the main reasons to enjoy it. But I, I also really liked the how the whole film was structured 
And I like that the sort of the rise and fall narrative is, I mean, like, you know how it's going to end in one sense, no, no spoilers here, or maybe there will be spoilers, but, uh, uh, but basically I, I enjoyed how it sort of, it, it, it gets at sort of the, some of the minutia of the tech world, but then has sort of a, a broader idea about how th- these guys and this story sort of shaped a lot of what came afterwards. And I liked how that sort of worked with sort of Matt Johnson's typical uh, sort of goofy side stuff that was happening as well. It was funny. What about you guys? All right. Yeah. What about us? Let's uh, kick it off. Bill Graham, what about you? What did you think of BlackBerry? So this is coming off of air, coming off of some of these other films recently. um, We are kind of inundated with the, with the IP and kind of the creation of the thing uh, kind of uh, films. And this one is, much closer to the office than I was actually expecting. It's it's got this weird kind of frantic camera work going for it, almost like it's a documentary filmed live at the time. Um, Glenn Howerton at a couple of points kind of does the gym, like stares at the camera kind of thing here and there. Um, and so I think it's it's kind of knowing in that it is playing fast and loose with some of this storyline. Um, but overall, I was just absolutely delighted. And I was not expecting to like this all that much at all. Um, I hadn't heard that much buzz about it. I had basically heard, to be honest with you, jack shit about it. Um, and, you know, versus Air had all of this hype kind of coming in. You know, I mean, look, uh, having the director behind Air... Uh, obviously is going to be a big boon and having those kind of headliner, uh, you know, stars in front of the camera and behind uh, all of that plays into it. But um, yeah, I, I was really not expecting much out of this and I got a lot out of it. And I think it, it's interesting to kind of play this up against some of the others. I haven't seen Tetris. I know that one's a little, a little bananas as well. Um, But um, I mean, look, I think a lot of people were like, oh, my God, are we really doing this with all of these films? And as long as they're as good as Air and BlackBerry, I'm OK with it. Like, I'm just like, holy shit. OK, uh, give me more of these. So, yeah, really enjoyed it. And I was surprised by that. All right. Robin Barr. I loved BlackBerry. Uh, really, really enjoyed this one. Um, it's funny. I, I'm I presumed somebody would bring up Air, but I kept thinking as I was watching BlackBerry, "Damn, this is so much better than Air." And I really <laughs> liked that movie. I liked that movie. That was a that was a solid movie. But what I loved about this is that it it definitely has more of that mid two thousands mockumentary style humor that I think Bill you alluded to that Office kind of thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. If I were to compare it to anything, I would say it was sort of like the dropout meets Silicon Valley. It had that sort of deadpan comedy to it, but there was this added layer of pathos that, you know, it's like you're watching the kingdom fall, like the the rise and fall of the kingdom. When you say the dropout, you mean the Hulu uh, Elizabeth Holmes? Yes. Yeah. Specifically the Elizabeth Holmes movie. miniseries yeah but with the kind of biting satirical like humor 
of Silicon Valley, even though I wouldn't describe this as a as a satire. And in fact, I would call it more of a comedy drama or a dramedy more so than a straight up comedy. Um, I just thought it was really thrilling from from start to finish. And what's great about it compared to those other, you know, to a TV series like The Dropout or Silicon Valley is that it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's a pretty zippy movie for something that spans like 20 years. Um, it just doesn't waste time with minutia. It, you know, you you get everything you need in whatever the hour 40 something. Um, so it really worked for me in that way. You know, it just, I didn't feel like it was a slog like some of those other stories have been. And this easily could have been a mini series if somebody had really wanted to, but I liked the vision of it. I liked that it was um, framed as a as something that we can laugh at, essentially. And yet it's not, you know, totally funny. There are some various th- serious things that happen in it. Um, I do agree, Daniel, that Glenn Howerton is great. Um, I thought Jay Baruchel very much plays against type in this. Um, you know, usually I think I think of him as this like squirrely, skinny nerd dude. Um, and he does play a nerd in this, but a, a very different type of one than than he's typically cast as. Like somebody who I think is used to being the smartest guy in the room, um, but not necessarily like the sharkiest guy in the room. And he's somebody that recognizes that he needs a shark in his life. And that's where Glenn Harrington's character comes in. Um, And one of the things I really loved about this movie that I don't think was overstated is that, you know, essentially Blackberry was at least in the way the movie frames it. It started by these two really nerdy best friends. uh, One played by uh, Jay Baruchel, the other played by Matt Johnson. And Jay Baruchel is the one that with the ambition, he wants to move the company forward. He's too trusting, et cetera. But his buddy, Matt Johnson, is the one that just wants to keep it, you know, within this like club, you know, video game club atmosphere that they've, they've always been because this is, you know, what they've always worked on together. He's much more int- invested in the friendship in some way. And so the movie, well, yes, it's about the quote unquote rise and fall of Blackberry. It's really about how these two friends have been torn apart. You know, it's almost like watching this bizarro version of Steve Jobs and, and Wozniak and where mm. Jobs is the one with all the ambition and Wozniak is like, you know, pulling him down to reality in a way. And that's how I, I kind of saw it. Um, yeah, just a really, really fascinating movie. And I could definitely see this being in my top 10. Yeah, um, I I actually I actually recently re-watched, uh, well, I re-listened to some podcasts about a couple of the most recent high-profile, like, I guess, scam things, I guess you'd mm-hmm. call them. Like uh, Theranos, WeWork, um, the Fire Festival, Things like that. These and I, I read an article about Juicero too, because I think it might have been inspired by this movie or just the fact that all these things are coming out about products. Um, yeah. And and if this if if BlackBerry had failed two to three years ago, it would one hundred percent have gotten the modern like six to eight episode, mm-hmm. like every little detail. But I like the fact that we got. This spanning like a decade, two hours, and just like here and mm-hmm. gone. Like I like as I even even the dropout 
which I think does it better than a lot of other things have done it. Like we crashed on Apple TV was like, just like, I can't fucking deal with being with the Newmans this much. Like you got to get me out of here. (laughs) Like you can't. We stayed too long. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And like the, the generation hustle episode about that and the documentary on Hulu about that were better because they're, they're faster. Like, you know, I just like, Mm -hmm. there's sometimes with these things, there's just not enough there to really sustain the multiple episodes, especially like when the, when it's just not that interesting that like the answer is like crazy narcissists who are never told no. Um, I think that the dropout was a lot better at that because I think that Elizabeth Holmes is a more complicated figure because she wasn't trying to pretend that co-working space was going to elevate the world's consciousness. She was doing something that had it been successful would have actually been useful. And so the tension is, does she ever actually think it can work or is she just trying mm-hmm. to run the scam? The, so like the fraud, the, the fraud is much more dangerous in that context. Oh yeah. Also. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. okay, I know she wants to like, give people more access to health information laudable is she Mm -hmm. fully aware that it's never ever 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 going to work and is she like how much is she willing to risk the lives of others on the idea that it might work so like Mm -hmm. there's something there to that this very intelligently sets the stakes sets who's doing what and why and then rolls with it and i i enjoyed the hell out of this movie what's funny though is if you when you watch the dropout rich summer uh, also known as Harry Crane, and uh, Michael Ironside are also both in that. <laughs> in similar ways, too. Like, in The Dropout, Michael Ironside is, like, a VC who, like, comes in and is like, I- I'm an I- I'm a man, I know how to get things done, and I'm going to give you money, and I'm going to help make this successful. And in this movie, he's like, yeah, I'm a guy, I know how to get things done, I'm going to help us be successful. And it's just, all right, yeah, all right, cool, bro. And then Rich Summer walks in, and he's like, Sort of a nerd, but I'm like not as much of a nerd as the other nerds, and I know have a lot of technical skill and information. It's just like, all right, what the fuck is happening here? Um, <laughs> Great casting. These guys are clearly, yeah, they've got a niche and it's yeah. working for them. And uh, I like them in both. Uh, but yeah, so Blackberry was great. What's interesting to me though, and I did end up watching Air. Uh, when did I do that? I guess Friday night. Yeah, I watched Air while I was waiting for uh, Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom to download on my Switch. Um, I I will attempt not to turn this into a podcast about that game. Uh, I've only been playing for like three hours. Um, but yeah, so I watched air. I really liked air. I liked air a lot. I, I kind of wish that I'd been able to talk on the air podcast. Um, I was, but you were there. I was, yeah, but I like had no thing to like give. (laughs) Like I couldn't say like Mm. all the things that I give you a brief spiel. Um, I like I at a certain point I was like this movie is just bounding between scenes of Matt Damon having very well written and well acted conversations with all these other very charismatic actors and that's enough for me. I like it. I like that it it's uh kind of structured like a heist. Um and then it's also got like the pitch so it's got a little bit of Mad Men dished on top of it. And I like the moments where the movie kind of I would say breaks reality to have characters talk about things that um, maybe they never actually thought about, but they like, you know, are, are within the reality of what they should be thinking about. Um, Specifically, obviously Damon's speech to Jordan was really good. (laughs) Um, 
I'm I'm almost positive that nothing like that could have possibly happened in real life, but maybe I'm wrong. Correct. Um, and then I really liked Jason Bateman's speech about his daughter, um, and bringing her the shoes and like listening to Born in the USA and thinking about like where their shoes are made and everything. And that, I, I that was the one the nod to like an anti capitalist idea. That was the funniest thing. And when you were talking about this movie in Blackberry, it's interesting how the two are sort of juxtaposed like that movie is sort of dancing along the line air is sort of dancing along the line of like everything works out for everyone like they make a billion dollars and then this one is about how they they chase that dragon until it it lands them in you know total and total disaster and air also kind of has this thing where it's like because of the way this deal was structured it did change for the better Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. way that these athletes are and then i was surprised to find out um, that Sonny Vaccaro was involved in that uh, NCAA lawsuit, which right. I remember being a huge thing. Um, mm-hmm. So that was that's, that was kind of cool. And that's the other funny thing that there's a bit of like the not the air is like rip. I mean, I, I don't have all the facts at hand about all the Vaccaro and all those characters, like the the real figures. But it's interesting how that one sort of elides, let's say, certain truths, whereas Blackberry is sort of revels in the fact that it it kind of is just like. Not that it's making up stuff, but it's like, that it's like just like like the Matt Johnson character is just like Matt Johnson wearing a headband. Like it's not he's not doing anything. Like he's not he's not tr- he's not trying to pretend to be someone. He's just like he is, but he's also like that that guy he plays is is like a very like not I don't want to say reclusive, but he's definitely not on camera like like Jim Balsillie is, who was who was just on t- like TV not too long ago because they wanted to ask him about the the this movie like oh, really? about Blackberry. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's still like the 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 funniest subplot in Blackberry in is this whole the hockey thing that is like because that was like this constant in Canada that was like a constant thing like he it, it kept coming up that he want the the, the research emotion Blackberry guy wanted to get a hockey team in like Hamilton in the Greater Toronto area which you know <laughs> was seen as like this crazy idea because it's like that's that's Toronto Maple Leafs country like you wouldn't. Think of doing that, and it, and it was a constant news story, and he almost did it, and then he was trying to move this team and that team, and it's so funny that it's like buzzing around the background of this film, and and to the point about it being a short film, that could have been a whole sort of like two episode, you know, se- sequence, you know what I mean? Like, but it, but it's just this thing in the background of this movie that's like that just keeps going, like in the background, where it's like it never really is explained why he cares so much about hockey or or buying a team. It's just like he just wants to like. I don't think it needs to be explained. Exactly. Exactly. No, exactly. It, 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 the film gets at it like in an elemental way. Like it gets at like you, you in those opening scenes with Balsali, you understand like with Howerton as Balsali, you understand like why he would be so compelled to like want to be in charge of something. And then it just like everything, all of his actions after that make sense in that sort of uh, idea. And so even though if it's not like real to life, it's like you kind of believe you can, you can kind of believe it, mm-hmm. yeah, which is kind of funny. Whereas yeah. air has to air has to sort of rely on the fact that it like like you know that Michael like you know that Michael Jordan's going to be the best right. whether the shoe helped him or not it, it's kind of like it's funny to, to consider say, it that way it's it's the, the interesting balancing act between the two is that one is talking about a massive success and the other is talking about like an incredible failure mm-hmm. and I think that they realize that like look we're talking about something that worked so we should have some reverence here and this one's like these guys failed like we can, we can do some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also just because like, but it, at the same time, it, it's not wrong about all the things they got right. 
Like it very it very sure. purposely uh gives the Lazaridis like character a level of intelligence. Mm-hmm. And even the the Balsali character like a, a, like his fire and determination really did help him out. Like he made it work. Yeah, it exactly. Like yeah. and in watching Yeah, and and he didn't really fuck them over like as much as you would kind of think, right? Like it it, it kind of set up that. <laughs> well, no, cuz he he wanted it to succeed. It's not like he walked in and was like you know what? Who are the who are the holding companies that like buy up a thing and then drive it into the ground and sell it for parts? Yeah, like, he needed uh, them. Yeah. He he needed them to, 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 to and he needed their ideas and their technology and their ability to invent stuff. Right, you know? and so and, his and, his sin was honestly working in a very disingenuous way to make sure they could do that. I mean, it was the it was the backdating of the stocks, mm-hmm. which is not mm-hmm. good. But he wasn't doing that to enrich himself. He was doing that to help the company which like you can say helping the company is helping himself but again it's not like you know he walked in and embezzled a shit ton of money for himself you know it, so mm-hmm. it's it's a weird it's a weird trade-off but in air you've got all these people who who succeeded and you're kind of like let's look at how this incredibly specific moment happened i mean like the the character played by uh matthew mayer um mm-hmm. in air peter moore who's the designer of the shoe oh yeah yeah i mean like mm-hmm. that's that's how you know in that movie that it's it has more on its mind than just like well this was like a cool thing that happened because the mm-hmm. way he talks about things and the way he approaches it um it it's there's an artistry to that and i like movies that take the things that people are making seriously like i remember in college a friend of mine and, and i would get drunk and watch Project Runway um, because we earnestly You don't even need to be drunk to watch that show. (laughs) Yeah, well, to be honest, I don't even know why I said we would get drunk and do it. I mean, we got drunk all the time. We were drunk every single day of the week. Okay, you were just, you happened to be drunk. So we would would sit down and say, Project Runway's on, we're going to watch this, we're going to get drunk, and then we're going to like do other stuff drunk. But so like, but we watch it. And like, Whoa, that's an interesting way of putting it. I mean, we'd go out and we'd I, like you know, <laughs> get in fights and like like climb buildings on campus and flick cigarettes off of them. Um, so yeah, so we'd watch we'd watch a uh, Project Runway, and it was because like you're watching these people do this thing that you can never do, and have these ideas and like really put a passion and a drive into them, um, which this movie also does. Because every time Jay Baruchel's character, Mike Lazaridis, is asked, like, why do you think these people are here? Like, what are we doing? Like, what? Are, and he's like, we're trying to make the best phone ever. And it's clear that, like, that means something to him. Mm-hmm. Especially when Doug it asks does. him, like, you know, why do you think all these people are here? He's like, well, everyone wants to make the best phone ever. Because that's, and you realize, like, that's why he's willing to sacrifice movie night. That's why he's willing to sacrifice, like, the fun times. Because in his mind, well, also really working is. in China. Well, like, so that's like, like the, the, the final moment yeah. where like he sells his soul because like he believes that he'll do it. But like it's those first steps where it's like I'm going to turn this from a place where we have a giant land party where we're all talking on cell phones, like uh, elastic banded to our heads. Yeah. To <laughs> Michael Ironside is going to come and yell at people. Which the minute you get Michael Ironside to come in and yell at people. Shit's gotten real. <laughs> well, Matt Johnson has, has talked about it. That that's uh, there was an interview he gave. I forget. Um, I don't know if it was in Cinescope or something. Anyway, uh, Cinescope or something else. He, he was saying that that was his way into the story. He he, he imagined them that the early crew there as independent filmmakers, mm-hmm. and the idea being that like they 
they you know they start off in this very clubhouse atmosphere and they're they're dicking around and they're they're working on something they're they they but they're not really sure necessarily what they're doing uh and then but then the, the question of this film is that that making that leap to the sort of the big leagues where you're not you're not necessarily just getting screwed you're actually succeeding and and it's blowing up and you're becoming i don't want to say famous because it's, it's hard to be a, a famous tech person i guess at the time but the idea that you're you have to you have to sacrifice or give something up, and then that's what you know. That's what that's what leads to the failure of the whole thing. I mean, what's funny is the movie also presents the idea that like that's part of the reason why they failed that they lost touch with their roots, so to speak. But it's also the idea that they failed because for all the the late, for all their foresight that they have in the early going, whatever whatever they whatever that foresight was, they 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 only they never they they missed a chance to see the next thing, and the yeah. way the film and the way the film reveals that is a really great twist because of course we all in the audience know the minute they start talking about the iPhone or whatever, like, Oh yeah, that's the thing that's going to kill them. But, but it's, it's amazing how the movie rolls that out in a way that that's like, they, they just didn't see it coming in the way that they should have. I, I think one of the most interesting things about it is you start to realize that the cell phone means jack shit. It's actually what the carriers want. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and there are these larger behemoths out there that they have to kind of tie their their boat to to kind of ride that wave. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. It doesn't fucking matter that you made a great cell phone. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter at all. It's it matters. What is your monthly data rate? What is your monthly minute rate? It, yeah. Is it How going to that, the moment where like, that one guy says? you can only charge one minute per minute. Yeah. There's only a minute yep. in a minute. Yeah. That's such a yeah. great, that's such a great summary of the whole like tech explosion of figuring out ways to build people for new things. Basically. Yeah. That mm-hmm. data thing is like, yeah, I remember, I mean like nowadays a lot of cell phones, it's just like, I don't know, man, we'll just do a flat thing a month. Like Wi-Fi is all over the place. 5g is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was going to make a joke about like how it's like you know rotting our brains and giving us covid but then i was worried that someone would take me seriously um <laughs> but like you know it's so now it's like you get an unlimited plan it's got all this stuff but like i remember the minutes and the roaming mm-hmm. and oh, that's God. another thing about so like air took place in 84 I, I was not alive during 84 no hate to anyone who was you're fine but like this movie starts in 96 and yep. ends in 2009 or 10? As, yeah, Technically somewhere. 12, I guess, but yeah. yeah. But so like I I was um I was alive during this point, so it's interesting to me to see those turned into a period now and to have that period so readily defined in aesthetics and pop culture things. Um but I <laughs> I remember my first friend who had a BlackBerry. Mm-hmm. Um, Let, and I remember him being like, "Hey, like I can check my email on this phone. I was like, first of all, like we just have that sounds mail. dumb. It's not, it's not that. Yeah, cool. but also <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, really, like how does that work? It's got a full keyboard. And then in college, and in even post college for a little bit, that that line between like um, iPhone and BlackBerry was like in the sand. Just like like people. Mm. Like I remember people being like. No, I could never go without BBM. BBM, like, here, give me your BBM pin so I can BBM you. And I'm mm-hmm. like, motherfucker, I got like a Nokia. I don't know what the hell you're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. I got, I've got a flip phone that's not even like one of the good flip phones. I've got like a third tier down 
we're not even sure we're going to be supporting this in six months flip phone. <laughs> well, I, I will had... say, like, a BlackBerry to me, it, you know, there was something both aspirational and also embarrassing about it at the time. Mm-hmm. So I knew, like, I knew somebody who had a BlackBerry. I don't think they were that popular in my high school. Um, but the people who had one, it was like they thought they were hot, important shit. And right. I think that's what you kind of alluded to re- with regarding your friend. So it was like both something that I felt like this begrudging envy of. And then also just kind of like the act of being 16 years old and being on your Blackberry is just yeah. so like eye rolling. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's, that's so this the blackberry i can imagine now being incredibly useful thinking about it back then as an adult now but as a child like in college what the fuck i get my email a little bit quicker like why the fuck Mm -hmm. would i care about that Mm but i can check stocks i'm in (laughs) fucking college what am i doing you know it's like no i i don't give a shit about any of this stuff i just want to text my friends like that was that was the craze but like but you could do that on your razor yes but you could do that so much better use t9 word robin exactly like you can do that so much better on on a blackberry with with a keyboard i had a phone good muscle memory let me tell you i was the quickest typer on the number screen that you would ever see i was but that's I but you guys hated that <laughs> but but you guys but you hit on hit it on the head there like that's that's what it was trading off on that cliquiness of like you get on bbm and then it's like you're on that like if you are in that age group like not a businessman that's maybe the appeal that you're part of the little bbm club right and then well, it's funny the mo- yes, and, the, and, and the movie and the movie but the movie plays off on that that's what's funny the movie sort of makes that like there's that scene where they're like go to the club yeah, it's the so good and it's, and so it's like, good and it's, it's like ridiculous yeah. it's ridiculous but it's also like that i can it's believable that that would that would catch people's eye and then and then at the time the idea of that the news the new shiny tech thing would like the novelty of that would be enough to sort of move units and like get eyeballs and and get attention well, and it's, it's funny, like, like how it's presented in the film is funny because it's it's ridiculous, but it's well, true. Speaking of air, I mean, like the people who wear Jordans don't play fucking basketball in them. Probably, <laughs> like they get them yeah. and they never wear them. Like yeah. you know, the, yeah. we create these things and they become popular because they do something that mm-hmm. is like important for the people who need it. But then those people become powerful or are powerful, and then they become a status symbol. And so, mm-hmm. like Jim Balsley in this movie gets that and when he comes in and says you're not like salespeople anymore you're male you're male models like go to country clubs yeah. <laughs> go to places be on this thing be obnoxious make a scene i want people to see this i want people to want it and it's like yeah that's perfect like you've mm-hmm. done it you know and mm-hmm. it is like yep you you're you're a, you're a teenager um you don't fucking need a blackberry but someone that you saw in a movie or you know some musician mm-hmm. or or whatever like an actor had it and so that's a way that you can tangibly be like that person. And so you're going to do it. Like, why wouldn't you? It, it makes all the sense mm-hmm. in the world. Um, it's uh, it's insane. And then, yeah, in college, you know, I, I remember, you know, you're in college. You've got your cell phone. You can take calls. You can play Snake. You can <laughs> text people. And texts are 10 cents a text. And uh, – when oh, you rack man. up like I a sent $40 so many. bill, your so parents get pissed at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, we fucking all did. I'm sure of it. Um, I dodged that. I didn't get a cell phone until like I was 23. I was a real schmuck. Oh, my God. I, really, I, I, didn't, 
I I I think at like one point. Like a real point, cell phone or like. I was no. averaging like 400 texts a day or something oh, like shit, that. dude. <laughs> yeah. But that was also like. I was racking that up because they were also like multiple texts, like you know they were long texts. Texting was so, some sex phone thing, like no, I texting? I had a I had a black jack, so it was actually like the knockoff from Samsung that had Whoa. a full keyboard, and so like I had a black jack too, and I remember it was like maroon and it had a full keyboard, and I was the fucking king with that thing i was texting people i i, I don't know i had you. a lot of friends that's how they get you i had a lot of friends in in college and like a lot of people i was trying to keep tabs with and so i had nothing but time and and energy to fucking just walk to campus and be texting full sentences without even looking at the phone just like looking up and being able to have punctuation have commas everything like it was ridiculous oh yeah as, okay, a, writer who, as a writer who hates text speak the these phones were a revelation for me i never had one of uh, the keyboard ones though oh i got God. so so are blackberries for men because yeah. they don't well, have, I didn't have like, a Blackberry. No, well, uh, b- bullshit Blackberries. Were all of these things for men because they literally don't have the, the dexterity? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I remember the sidekick, the T-Mobile sidekick was hugely popular with women. No, Veronica I, I Mars s- had that. <laughs> yeah, I saw that thing all over the fucking place. And that was the one that had like the slide out keyboard. So it wasn't like part of the it, phone it, screen all the time. It was side the 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 screen would like kind of pivot upwards, right? Correct. On that yeah. yeah. Um yeah. and yeah, my that friend, thing was way popular. My with, friend with who women. was obsessed with Blackberry and claimed she would never get an iPhone. Uh shout out to Iva, who I have not spoken to in over 15 years probably. Um, no, wait, how old am I? It doesn't matter. Um, I think it's only 11 years. Um, she was like obsessed with the Blackberry. Like she loved it. And it was because she was a, uh, you know, very socially outgoing person who needed to text people with a full keyboard and do all that stuff. And she loved the click. And so actually, mm-hmm. I, rem- I think I remember her being very excited to get the storm mm-hmm. because it would have the screen of an iPhone, but it would still click. I, 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 I remember I remember testing that in in a like a a circuit city or or like a Best Buy. I remember like like trying to press on it and being like, this is fucking weird. What what did they do here? Even watching <laughs> just, watching in the movie, I'm like, wait, you like each each thing has two letters in it? So it's like it's a weird mix between like T9 word and a full keyboard. Like, what the shit is this? Yeah. But I guess at that point the touchscreen, I don't know, it sucked. And like, but yeah, I I had a phone actually that was like um, a storm knockoff. So you can imagine what that fucking thing was like. <laughs> um, my family and I, we still remember when we were finally like, okay, are we just gonna spring for the iPhone? Like, are we finally gonna jump? I think it was like mm-hmm. the fifth one. Really? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Took I, me a while I mean, to go to the iPhone, man. I just, you I know, I, you know, I, re- I remember, <laughs> I remember the the. All the buzz around the iPhone was, you know, it was huge at the at the time because everybody was still coming off of the iPod. 
And so everybody was like, oh, I, I have I have an iPod and now I got a phone and this is a fucking disaster. Like, wh- why do I have these two things? And no one had quite bridged it. Some people were able to put like MP3s right, on your phone and it was like SD card. So yeah. And like it was like, it was like, oh, phone. yeah, great. But it was just like, OK, well, this is dumb because, you know, I just I need 500. I need a thousand. Like, you can't give me like 20. Like, this is annoying because then you have that to go to your computer and like switch it out and everything like that. Oh yeah, that that was a nightmare. (laughs) So I remember like there was a moment when the iPhone first came out and the thing about it was it did all of these things incredibly well except make a phone call. It was shit at making like cell phone reception on those things was dog shit. And it was like, cool. So the phone that you use to communicate with people, you can't pick it up and call somebody, but you can text them, you can email them, you can get on the internet. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like, what the fuck? Yeah, but who, calls, yeah, so. who wants to make a phone call? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Me? Yeah. I prefer to talk yeah. on the phone. I'll, I mean, like texting is fine, but like there comes a point where I'm like, motherfucker, we've been texting all day. Can you, do you just want to call? <laughs> You know, uh, and then I get told, no, that's a step I'm not willing to take. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I do not want to call people. I still hate calling people. I hate it. You literally <laughs> every week for two hours do what is essentially a phone call with multiple people. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what Daniel, is a podcast if not if not, if not a long phone conversation? It's, it's, really, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is the party line right here. This is what it's about. <laughs> it's so funny to hear you guys talk about this because I feel like the 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 movie doesn't necessarily Blackbird of the movie doesn't necessarily get into all of this. Like it doesn't. I, I appreciate the fact that it doesn't. It doesn't show like the like it doesn't necessarily track the consumer um, response to these yeah. products no, necessarily. Like you don't see you know man on the street like montages or things. It just it just assumes we know because we do know, like in a sense we yeah. do know like and all these things you guys are describing like it's it's interesting to consider like when you're talking about the iPhone it's like well who would want this or like what what are you doing with this or the touchscreen's not going to be good and now it's like it's so ubiquitous like the design decisions that they made like the prescience of it and then like the fact that it, mm-hmm. like it worked and it's so funny that like like again like I, I the, the the ultimate punchline of the movie is that like these guys didn't see it happening. Like they just thought to themselves, like the Baruchel's character, they just thought he could, he just thought he could keep inventing the next thing, but he, mm-hmm. he couldn't, like he, he made, he took his swing. He sacrificed. They, maybe, well, they, he, maybe, he, that, maybe that undid the company, but like he, it didn't work. Like it's fascinating to consider that. Like, he well, just, they got high on their own supply. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, he, he, and to be fair, he was King of the mountain. There, right. Like there was, there's no fucking doubt that he was mm. king of the fucking mountain. Yeah, I mean, yeah but you always while. have to plan for your succession. Mm-hmm. Sure, but I mean, how, how many people can say they were ever king of the mm-hmm. mountain? There, there are few and far between and people out there, and he did that for close to a decade. And like this is why it's a very important Canadian movie, because <laughs> <laughs> we get to yeah. be very proud of the fact that this was all happening in Waterloo, Ontario. Yeah, I mean it's it it is it is hilarious at one point when you know uh, when Glenn Howerton's character is like, well, 
aren't these the best programmers in the world? Fucking make mm-hmm. it happen. And mm-hmm. Jay Varishel is just like, no, these are the best programmers in Canada. Yeah, and, yeah. He just, and you just go, oh, oh, okay. And yeah, it's it's bananas. I, I think one of the things that I, I, I found fascinating is that um, – the the two main recruits, the two guys that he Glenn Howerton's character like recruits, one from Google and one from I don't know who he was from, but he mentioned being at Naughty Dog at some point. So uh, I guess he was a video game programmer for a little bit. But um, it it's funny because those two guys show up. I I recognize the guy from Google from Mad Men. Yeah. I can't re- remember his song. name. Rich Summer. Yeah, Rich and Summer. he he shows up. He basically is able to help crack the BlackBerry like uh you know capacity crisis that they're going through, and then you don't see either of them ever again. And you're just like, wait, what? I I thought we were gonna go down that path, and it, so I found that kind of interesting that you. All just right, Bill wants those... the miniseries. No, that's the thing. Yeah, Bill wants the Bill wants the eight episodes where one ep- oh just like one episode is like how are we gonna get this guy from Google? Um, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I just I I thought it was I thought it was funny because it, I mean especially the guy from Mad Men I was like oh cool now we're gonna spend some time with him. And then we you don't. Do. You and I was just fifteen seconds with him, so he can crack the thing. <laughs> and also, again, he's the guy that they post date the stock options to. Yeah. Yes, they're, they're say, both yeah. very important in that way, for sure. They're both getting ten million dollars a piece, but yeah, you just never see them again. And I thought that was kind of hilarious. But um, also, they're a symbol of this culture of overspending. For mm-hmm. something that mm-hmm. you know, you know, is not going to right. pan pan out, which is that startupy kind of you know thing. Of oh like, yeah, mm-hmm. which, again, like it's again. I went on a binge this week of like you know all of these you know tech tech startups. We work things, but and there's that that giant that that's always the thing of like oh you know options. Uh, we're throwing money at it. Oh, our burn rate. Uh, the thing, and it's like. The WeWork one is the craziest one because they really like, you know, SoftBank invest in that. And it's like, here's a couple billion dollars, like, just go crazy. And they don't actually, mm-hmm. I mean, this is the thing. You say what you will about BlackBerry. At least they produce something. I don't they really know what. They produce something and they probably turn to profit. And none of these other yeah. things ever yes, turn exactly. to profit. They actually, well, yeah, they, they, I mean, they remade Waterloo. Like, I mean, the whole town, the whole place became a, 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 a tech mecca for a little while. I don't know if it, I, I guess it still is, but it's like, so it's not a, it wasn't a scam. You know, I mean, like. I looked it up. They're they're apparently doing um, information security now. Really? Yeah, that's pretty I, wild. Because like I it was, that makes I, sense. So what's funny is, again, not to get too in the weeds of my own recollections of like this period of time, but like my dad worked for NASA. Um, he was not allowed to have an iPhone, so he had a personal yep. iPhone. And yep. then he had his work BlackBerry because BlackBerry was synonymous with security. So like for a while, it was like, oh, iPhones are the toys for like the dilettantes and the children. Mm-hmm. But if you got a BlackBerry, it's because you're serious business. And then when the federal government was like, actually, there's not like an appreciable difference between the security between the two. So if you want an iPhone and then every Fed was like, me, 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 me. I think my mm-hmm. dad was like one of the holdouts. But, you know, he was, you know, he's an that, old man. That was the, I mean, that's, <laughs> I'll tell you. That's, he I mean, wanted the click. The click is actually the... really nice. Like I got my knockoff BlackBerry that I eventually got. Or yeah, like 
It was like a knockoff iPhone BlackBerry hybrid, but it had the thing where when you pressed it, it it had a haptic feedback that felt like a click. And I was like, oh, I like this. And then my iPhone will do that, but it's it's not the same. It doesn't feel like the screen is moving. It just feels like my iPhone is like twitching as I'm touching it, which is honestly very disconcerting. Uh, Daniel, what were you going to say? Um, I was going to say something and now I forgot what I was going to say. It was about, um, oh, uh, come back to me. I'll, I'll think of it. I'll remember about security and, oh, that's a, Oh yeah. The, okay. the, the, I liked, I liked that the punchline of the film was, was that, that no one really finds out. No one knows what ball silly may or may not have texted. Cause it was all, it's all still yeah. encrypted. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It was a nice little, it was a nice little, yeah, like I great. said, like I said, he, he has whatever malfeasance or fraud or whatever he might've done. Like he has escaped that. And yeah. however accurate the like, I mean the 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 great sin of trying to uh, force your way into the NHL, uh, <laughs> you know, like it, like well, as kind a, of a, a dick about it, apparently, uh, you know, yeah, apparently, yeah, like uh, the way the movie presents, like that, you know, like he has escaped these, you know, he beat the Chargers, so to speak, and um, it's interesting because I feel like, I mean, that's usually the case with these kind of corporate, you know, stories and crimes, um, but it's kind of funny. It just feels kind of funny in this case that he's just. They all, they all just go back to being like kindly Canadians in a way. I don't know. It's funny. Well, it, it, I, I find I find it so relevant that this is coming out right now. And it, it, it kind of dives into the Toronto Maple Leafs of it all because mm-hmm. the Maple Leafs right now are kind of going through this dearth of it, it reminds me of the Cubbies where oh, they yeah. just couldn't ever get over the hump and right now the maple leafs have not gotten out of they just got out of the first round uh for the first time in like you know multiple decades and this is like 19 years 19 years yeah 19 years and so they just got out of the the first round and then just got a obliterated and and and, 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 it was, and it was the team like if they had lost in the second round to the not to go into a whole nhl <laughs> yeah. leafs thing here but if they had lost in the second round to the to the to the bruins, bruins it's like yeah it would have made sense. great team it's like well that's too bad it sucks it would have been tough but at least okay fine they yeah. wanted them to play the Panthers. They're like, okay, the Panthers are like <laughs> the eighth seed. Let's do it. Yeah. The funny, I was just watching the Sixers today, and that's the comparison. It's like they have all the talent and they just can't seem to get over the hump. And mm-hmm. uh yeah, and and at the time it felt like I feel like in their late the early two thousands was like the last hurrah of like some good Leafs teams. And so the idea of trying to splinter because the, the GTA, like the Grand Greater Toronto area market that Balsilia was trying to crack into is probably lucrative enough. The Southern Ontario market is lucrative enough to support two teams. I mean, if New York or LA, if these other sure. places have, it's enough, there's enough hockey crazy people here, you could do it. Um, but there is a real sanctity, I feel like, or there's two things working. One is this, the idea that the Leafs want to dominate the market. And the other thing is a very, uh, is the idea that Bettman, who's, who is in the movie, like a guy is playing him, Mark uh, uh, Critch. Uh, another he's an NHL actor. head. Yeah. The the yeah. Um, the commissioner of the league, he's all he's only really interested in American expansion. Definitely at the time he was yes. definitely yeah. the idea of expanding a team to Hamilton or something in in Ontario versus like Phoenix or or another Florida team or whatever that doesn't appeal to him. I mean, if you look at the last few teams, it's it's, it's Las Vegas, it's uh, Seattle. He's not interested. Yep. In, it was a miracle. In Minnesota. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a miracle that Winnipeg, Winnipeg got their team back because they moved mm-hmm. and, and they're going back there. But anyway. 
it's a it's, yeah. it's such a funny subplot to the movie. I, I can't get. I'll never get over that because I just think it's 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 like the only movie. I kept thinking it's the only movie that's going to have this much <laughs> NHL business. Right. I'm going to miss a series of very important meetings because I'm trying to buy an NHL team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 uh, and just to kind of, uh, I'll say this last thing on the, on this topic real quick, but I, I recently started getting back into the NHL. The, the Dallas stars are really good right now. They're mm-hmm. playing tomorrow, just game seven. And they, it, I started listening to a couple of hockey podcasts and one of them, it's called too many men. And uh, it's all female hosts. And one of their segments is how does this affect the Maple Leafs? And and you're just like, wait, this is a thing that like this podcast that covers the entire NHL has like a little segment that they always are like, how does this affect the Leafs? And wow. you're just like, oh, shit, this is this is like a big thing. We need like, to what do that? something yeah. like that on this podcast, but it has to be something <laughs> insane. Like how, do, like, how does this affect X's like Academy Awards chances? Yeah, it's gotta be be some. It's gotta be like one of my guys. Like, well, how does this? Malik, Terrence Malik. No, no, I was gonna say like James Badge Dale. Like, how does this affect (laughs) James Badge Dale's Oscar? No, it's it's gotta it's gotta be bigger than that. It's it's gotta be Nolan. Let's just go with Nolan. So, all right. So, are you a Nolan boy? Oh, I'm definitely Nolan Nolan Bull. (laughs) How do you define Nolan boy? Is it just a boy who likes Nolan? Because if that's the case, then yeah, I am a Nolan boy. No, it's not just a boy that likes Nolan. It's a boy that's just like every Nolan release is like an event in your life. I'm sorry that one of the best Uh, filmmakers working right now in the popular medium should be an event in my life when he makes a new movie. Like he's Uh, never let me down. He consistently delivers superior mass-produced entertainment that is pitched to the widest possible audience but never talks down anyone. Yeah, I'm going to be excited about a Christopher Nolan film. Sue me. Fine, then I'm a Gerwig girly. How about that? That's not a shock literally at all. (laughs) Good. It's not. Why are we yelling at each other? I don't know. (laughs) I like lamp. (laughs) Daniel, what were you going to say? I don't want to step on. I was gonna say I don't want to step on any toes, but I'm also a Nolan, uh, Nolan boy. <laughs> if that's what if that's what the, if that's the correct nomenclature. Terminology. Yeah, yeah. terminology. So a Nolan. To open I, I, I'm I'm pretty sure it's Nolan Bros, but yeah. So yeah, I yeah, think a Nolan boy Robin. is different than a Nolan bro because I think of a Nolan bro as like the proud boys of film Twitter. Well, that's yeah. it's 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 that it's it's that they only think that. They think that he's the only one making good movies. Yes, which is, precisely. You know, or, or that they're not, or that they're faultless, which is obviously like. I mean, I enjoy his movies, but I can, if you really like to, to you know, it's that it's like to really love the films, you have to be able to sort of laugh about the absurdities in them, or the ridiculousness, sure, or the sure. clunkiness, yeah. or whatever. Oh, yeah. So I can appreciate the goofy stuff that's in there, but, so that's but then like also be like, yeah, is, but when it's good, it's good. It's like I, when it, it I, really hits. I adore Interstellar. Yeah, because of the goofiness, like you know, when right. when uh when fucking what's his what's her fuck who plays Adam Newman's wife? What's her name? I can't remember. Anne Hathaway. When Anne yeah. Hathaway makes an argument. Yeah, what's her fuck? When when Anne Hathaway uh makes the argument that like love like gravity is a force that can like transcend time, it's it's absurd. It's like a cheesy as fuck line, but she delivers it so fucking hard. Yeah. 
And the movie is like, um, I know that that seems insane, but that's literally but, the thesis of the film. And you're just like, yes, absolutely. But when Let's you get it. into that movie and they're and the and the, the he's trying to line up the space shuttle with the thing and the Hans Zimmer score is going and the black oh hole God, is all yes. it's like it's like how do you it's like how do you get I don't know like what why even go to a movie theater? Like you gotta see this stuff. It's when just it's just amazing. Morgan is hitting in Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and what do you and, and and you know it's not to tie this back to Blackberry, but it is considerable. It's it's like in one sense, Nolan is like the the end goal in one not to say that everyone wants to make Nolan films, but it's that the idea that like he gets to make exactly the movie he wants to make oh, yeah. and use whatever resource he wants. And so it's interesting in that context to see like this movie, the context of this movie, and then and the context of Matt Johnson's career, like the idea, like that's not that he again, not that he wants to make Christopher Nolan movies, but that he wants to make his movies his way. And it's he like, got to do it could, on like a large scale yeah. with some very famous, and he's getting fucking yeah. like accolades so out of the ass on this, right? One. And I hope, and I hope that that, and as a Canadian and as a local, like like you know, he's a Toronto guy. Like I hope he does. I hope this does lead somewhere. Like I hope he does get to make the next you know whatever movie he wants to make and then make and it's a big hit like it's what funny to consider that will he make next time? um <laughs> product yeah what other what other things is he, i looked this up and now i can't remember he did uh, operation avalanche which is something i really wanted to see but have not yet yeah well you mentioned nasa and i was like oh yeah that's uh, i know yeah, that's, that's, that's so my favorite okay my favorite so my, again my dad was the chief counsel at the johnson space center very important um I, I lived across the street from astronauts. There was a boy in my wow. Boy Scout troop whose dad was an astronaut who was up there. And, like, I got to go to... Up there? Where, where is up space. there? Into space. Whoa. Yeah. He did a spacewalk. And I got to be in the room, Whoa. like, uh, Mission Control Houston, like, watching it. Ha- it's fucking great. And every time, like, they'd come back, they'd do a debrief at Space Center Houston... And I got to go to see all those. Houston's so so you saw the green screens. Well, so that's the funny thing is my favorite <laughs> thing to do is every time my dad and I are together and I just feel like tweaking him. I'm like, so the Van Allen radiation belt, like we can't cross that. So how do we like, you know, how do we break past the firmament? Like, how, how do you feel <laughs> being like a party to one of the greatest cover ups? And everyone, <laughs> he'll say something about NASA and I'll like very quickly decide, go never a straight answer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because everyone knows that's what nasa stands for um and yeah so but and he he knows that i don't mean it but he still rolls his eyes at me because he's i think he's had to fucking enough of people being like it's not real um but anyway yeah i want to watch operation avalanche i actually looked it up where i could i think you can watch it for free with um it's on canopy i don't know if, if you say para or is it oh amc, AMC plus <laughs> That's a joke for yeah, six th- th- yeah. There we there we go. Tennis. How does this affect, or when is this going to be on a- AMC Plus? That's our running gag now. <laughs> no, how will so, this affect James Badgedale? Um, so yeah. like, but yeah, I I want to see it. I, I'm looking forward to it, and mm-hmm. I love. I like. I like this one. I think this is the only movie I've seen of his. But I well, he's only it. made. Yeah, he's only made the the Operation Avalanche and the Dirties. Is that in that the Dirties? I don't know where you could see that. And then he had a cult TV show that was a very like I don't want to say very local show, but like because it it you know he traveled with it, but it was like he would film. Like I once saw him filming in the subway station. Like I was waiting for a train, and he walked by with his camera, filming him and his buddy as they were doing whatever. Uh, Wait, whatever what's they, the cult show? Because the show's called the show's called no the show's called Nirvana the band the show. And it's about him and his <laughs> him, and a, him and a guy 
him and a buddy trying to book a show at this Toronto venue called the Rivoli. And that's the whole conceit of it. But, it, but it's like the absurd lengths they're trying to go, even though they don't really have like a song or any sort of like representation or any, like they're totally gotcha. unprepared for the moment, but they're, but they're, they keep trying to will this thing to happen. And there then it, and it's a- there was a there was like a guy who did that right like there was a there was like a, a band that wasn't real and it was a fraud and like they they booked like massive venues and sold a bunch of tickets. Mm, I don't I don't I don't know maybe I don't even uh, know how I yeah. Google that so I'm yeah, gonna try yeah. to do that but yeah yeah wait can you was... Canada explain me something now that yeah. you mentioned cult TV shows yeah so once when I was in a hotel in Montreal we caught this show called Corner Gas yes. Which is apparently very popular. It was, yeah. And I'm confused why. Well, you have to understand a lot of Canadian TV, and this is part of the reason why Matt Johnson is kind of an interesting figure right now. A lot of Canadian TV is, like a lot of American TV, just on a really smaller scale, it's 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 pitched and aimed at a target audience that's like that like imaginary, like middle age like uh i don't know i'm trying like like the the sort of the broadest audience possible they can get Mm -hmm. so corner gas was like much like the sitcoms of yore was pitched around a comedian brent brent butt uh and he's the star of the show and it's like built the whole show is built around his sort of brand of comedy which is this kind of folksy uh i don't know folksy irony or or sort of deadpan yeah. Sort of takes on foot, so it's like that's the whole. I mean, you know, now you know, Simu lose everywhere, and like he's he started on on Kim's Convenience, which is a very different mm-hmm. show, but like a similar idea of like kind of like built around like a, a a small sort of idea, and it and it's pitched at like the sort of as as general or typical an audience as you can think of. Um, okay, so it's but, no different than the U.S. Yeah, the, I guess the funny part is that there's a bunch of Canadian shows that don't seem to have any. Uh, stakes or drama like there's definitely some dramatic shows there's one called the heartland or something where it's like nothing happens like it's just the the joke the the show just kind of it's like it's amazing it just runs forever and it's like what, who's watching this i don't know but there's some there's some people that are just it's there it's on tv that's what they're watching i don't know so johnson is kind of like uh, in one sense antithetical to that like he's the opposite he's put he's doing his wacky things and pushing boundaries i mean the dirties is about a school shooter you know so oh, it's not okay. yeah like in a but it's like it's like dark, like a not. I won't say it's a comedy. It's a dark idea, but it's not. It's not like a. Anyway, I don't get too in the weeds of that. Like but I'm just saying. No, no, this is interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's. It, but it, my point is that so he's now kind of. This is why this movie is kind of like it's in a Canadian context is fascinating because like this he's been around now for a while. He's been acting in movies and and directed a few things and done this cult show and he's been like you know he's you know won awards and and done interviews and all this stuff and it's like okay but now is he going to like break out as a Canadian, like, uh, like artist, let's say, where it's like, he becomes that, you know, the guy that goes to the bigger, like a Dan Levy. Well, look, so he's, (laughs) he's worked with Baruchel. Now he's got to work with Rogan. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And And Baruchel is another one who he, you know, had the success in the States. Everyone sort of knows him from that, but then he went back to make being like, like he, there's a quote somewhere from him. I'm sure I could dig it up somewhere where he's like, wants to go back to Montreal and make Canadian horror films or whatever. Like he was happy to be a Canadian guy. So it's interesting. Like, but that's a real, there's a real limbo there because like you can, you can work for, you can make Canadian stuff and it just never goes anywhere. Cause it, cause there's not enough platform there's not or enough money. Canadians. There's, <laughs> there's not enough money to sort of get it out there. So that's why it's like, 
it'll be interesting to see where this movie gets. And 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 it always kind of pains me. I literally I have a tweet right now that's getting because it was a, it was a reply to a tweet that went viral, and it's getting so everyone's like people are liking it because it's attached to this like a barnacle on a big ship. It's attached to it, but it's like <laughs> linking <laughs> linking linking BlackBerry to Air as if they're just like all these movies about products. But I, what I find it's like very different is that Air is about is very congratulatory. It's very like look what we did, look what we made, yeah. look what came out of it, and look how we ch- and, and even the things that are maybe bad about what happened it kind of acknowledges it or spins it in a way that's like good whereas this movie is very much about like how these guys all get destroyed essentially destroy themselves destroy their friendships destroy their you know in a way their lives although they don't really pay any real price in the real world it, 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 it everything blows up because of their pursuit of what they think they need to do to succeed yeah so it's like so in the, when you read that in the con when you when you think about that in the context of where Johnson's coming from and what he said about like that was his into the story the idea that they're independent filmmakers they're they're guys on the margins trying to have fun and, and make things with their friends and get somewhere with it now it's like well now you're on that precipice are you going to take that leap and you know try and become Christopher Nolan or are you going to just you know futz around in the margins in in right. you know in, a, in relative obscure relative obscurity so, so you're not, again for people out there who are like uh you know it's it's not you don't want to make movies that Christopher Nolan would make. You want to be able to make movies like Christopher yeah, Nolan makes yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is Exactly. Yeah. You know, you you get to not have a cell phone. You don't answer <laughs> emails when like but you come in and you're like, "Hey, yeah. Uh, you know, three hour movie about the dude who invented the A-bomb and the studio is just like, look, we have to say yes. Like, I with, don't know what to with, do with you. With every act. I mean, this is why the, to, to, you know, it's funny, uh, Robin mentioned Gerwig and I'll obviously uh, uh, Oppenheimer and Barbie are sort of, you know, they've been, it's this kind of jokey, you know, back and forth between the two of them. But it's funny because like Gerwig now is like in that zone where she can make any movie she wants, but she's making a movie about that's obviously like, like uh, about an IP but it's like, will that like that's a risk too? Because it's like you're you're, are you doing one for that you or one for them kind of thing? And it's like she's gotten to that level. But like, I you think know. something like Barbie though is both like it is for her as an artist mm-hmm. because of her sense of irony and mm-hmm. and I hope so. I hope so. Femininity and all of yeah. that. But it is very much for the audience as well. Like yeah. this is a brand that just appeals mm-hmm. to a large swath of the population. Yeah, I, well, I, I mean, translates it's, to money. But. I was about to yeah. say, do we it's think no people different. are going to go see Barbie? Like, yes, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think yeah. so. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think so. I think What's your beef great. with Barbie? What? What's your beef with Barbie? I just like I don't know who that movie is fucking for. I, I think, think it might be. I, I oh, think it might. Just, I think it I might, don't be, think so. might be more I, successful. I don't think that's a fucking all ages movie. Four quadrants, bitch. I think it's for like forty year olds in a different dimension. No, I, like, I think I would it might never end up... bring my daughter to that movie. Um, That's because you're like a misogynist. That's what you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not even going to argue. Sure, I'll take it. Um, I like, think it might like be, a lowercase I... m, where you think that feminine things that little girls like are like beyond you. No, oh, but I like if, like I if like if Barbie from Toy Story got her own movie, I'd take my daughter to see that. Also, I loved Turning Red. So literally everything you just said is a fucking lie. But like, yeah, yeah turning I just... for teenagers. Barbie in the movies is like, she's not even a real character. She's a, I what? don't even know, an, a cameo. Uh, oh, oh in we... Toy Story? In Toy Story, in Toy Story. Yeah, 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 sure. 
Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about this one. I was like, we don't even know what this one's about. But like everything, no, everything that was in that trailer is like, yeah, I don't, I don't need to see that. That doesn't appeal to me even a little bit. And I, oh, we're doing an I don't think it, it's the so. one of the. Th- I don't, yeah, I know. I don't know if I'm going to do that. Um, and I don't know that. Like, I don't even know what it's rated. So, like, maybe it's not. Maybe it's like PG-13 or R. And I shouldn't bring my daughter to it. I no, it's definitely it's R. not R. Not R. <laughs> yeah, they would never license it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't do it. Rated I don't R. even think it's going to be PG-13. I'd be shocked. Yeah, I think I think it's PG. Is it not rated yet? I, I mean, know. I don't really pay attention to ratings. <laughs> right, yeah. Now that I'm like 35, <laughs> ratings don't really matter that much to me. Unless it's a horror movie, because we all know PG-13 doesn't make real horror. Am I right? Is, is someone <laughs> is someone looking this up? That's a Nolan bro. No. no, no, fuck no. I don't care enough. Um I will say, I will say I do think it might it it might pull in a bigger audiences than Oppenheimer, because I think Oppenheimer is gonna be an interesting, bizarre thing to sell. Like they're trying to sell it, but it's gonna be interesting to see if a movie about a nuclear scientist played by Killian Murphy is enough to draw in the same Nolan audience. And a historical film at that. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I was going to say Dunkirk, but Dunkirk had the trappings of an action film, even if it's a war action. movie. Mm-hmm. But that's the mm-hmm. thing is it's, a, it's yeah. a war movie where none of the heroes pick up guns and they're just cowering and hoping to get home alive. Like great movie. Great movie. Oh, it's fucking perfect. And I love great it. Movie. But like, it's not Your cinema. It's not Saving Private Ryan where it's like, oh, they put a sticky bomb on the tread and they blew it up and like, yeah, mm-hmm. they got Ryan home. Spoilers. Um, yeah, like it's it's like, wow, I hope these scared, mostly silent British boys are able to get on this small yacht and get home. <laughs> like it's it's tough. It, yeah, it is shocking that that movie works as well as it does. Um, yeah. That's another movie. I was I too take bored in the first to. ten minutes to. I, oh, I don't know how I could be bored in that movie. Wow, it's Robin. all ratcheting tension. So it's crazy. That's the craziest thing you've ever said. Yeah. Actually, is it? I don't know. I'm gonna have to start keeping. So I tried to watch it on the process. airplane, and then. Well, that's your that's your first. That's your goddamn that's problem. Your first, <laughs> it was watch, like really boring, and I couldn't hear it. No, like, you can't. No, no, you gotta watch. You gotta watch Dunkirk on a big screen with the with big with the biggest sound you can. You gotta really go I, deaf. I saw you really gotta go deaf. I saw it in an old school movie palace, seventy millimeter. Yeah. Yeah. I could feel my seat rattling. It was yeah. incredible. In fact, in what, fact, because you were jerking off. Whoa! <laughs> where is all this anger coming from? Um, it's not anger. It's just like. <laughs> people You're... just like fulfilling their destinies <laughs> so so yeah in fact um we uh at the film stage i think nick newman wrote like a not bad review but a less than like rapturous review and so of course people got mad and i meanwhile wrote like a, a review on my personal site and jordan was like hey could we can i because my reviews are very seldom like review reviews they always come off more as like a personal essay so he's like, could I reprint that on the film stage to like get these people to shut the fuck up? And I was like, yeah, totally. I feel bad for Nick. I don't know. Nick courts it. You know, I don't like, I love him. <laughs> yeah, love him he, death. he, 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 he doesn't run away from podcast, that. But like, I yeah. sometimes feel like he does it on purpose. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Again, love Nick Newman. Come back on the pod. Uh, but <laughs> you know what you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. What are we talking about? How do we get on this again? We were well, we were, talking about, we were talking the, about the Matt, notion of what's Mac going to do next. Yeah, the notion of Nolan and Gerwig movies and where they're at, and then Johnson, obviously, in a much lower uh, echelon, sort of in terms of scale and and attention. But like, can he get there or not? I mean, I don't know. We'll what's, see. Which Marvel character is he going to do? That's the real. Question. No, I mean, God, God forbid, you know. 
or what uh what that, like 80s and 90s ip is he going to be that, gotten to resurrect you know that's what I, that's what i mean about like what i was saying about gerwig it's like i th- i think she is smart enough to avoid she's definitely smart enough to avoid like just doing like a, an ip mandated like thing she's going to do something creative i think with barbie like it's gonna be interesting or or noteworthy but it is interesting to see her sort of take that move next after like the movie she's just done which are you know or which are very different from that so we'll see where it goes next you know and yeah. how well it does and how well it's received but yeah, god I forbid guess time will tell yeah i mean, uh, I mean they it, don't do it's the same thing with nolan doing batman in a way but like obviously he yeah. put his own spin on it and that's why that's why he can that's why like the idea at the end of his batman movies that batman would like quit some people were really like what you can't have bruce wayne doesn't quit being batman doesn't stop being batman but it's like, right, yeah, but, but, Nolan's like, ba- but Nolan's Batman does because it's right. like, that's the point. Well, it's like, yeah, Nolan. you get old as fuck. Like, yeah, at yeah. some point, he's got to. Like, yeah. has has no one seen Batman Beyond? Like, what, what <laughs> yeah, are we yeah, doing? Exactly. You know? yeah, yeah, like, rules. come on. Uh, it doesn't look like uh, Barbie has a rating yet. I went and looked. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that as well. Yeah. So it could be but it's definitely not going to be rated R. Radar. No, it's not. Uh, it's also cost a, a production budget rumored of a hundred million dollars. So you know this is this is basically it, not to be uh, gender specific, but yeah, this is basically like her her shot at making a superhero film in a way, right? Like it's it's a big production, and this is going to be yeah, I, I think it's going to be either pg or pg-13 at the very least um 100 million doesn't even sound like that much considering like nancy myers wanted to make some fucking rom-com for 130 million you don't like nancy myers no i don't wow who's the misogynist now (laughs) (laughs) the tables have turned i fucking love nancy myers what do you love well but she also didn't get to make that right so you know that tells you a little bit Dude, I heard that. Uh, what was that? It was um, it was her, obviously, and then it was Michael Fassbender, and it was who was the who was the woman in it? I want to say Jennifer Scarlett Johansson. Sorry, right. sorry, yeah. Michael Fassbender was going to be in a Nancy Myers movie. Absolutely, yes. and his name is Michael Whoa. F. Fassbender. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> I'm upset. How much that made me laugh. <laughs> I'm a little upset too. Um, You're the one who made the joke. You should be happy. Oh, yeah, I know. Um, anyway, yeah, but I was excited. I like I like her stuff. I like her um, her writing. I like the uh, the kind of I don't know. I don't want to say mammoth esque, but like she talks. She has <laughs> don't laugh at me saying mammoth mammoth esque. That's Myers. I've never I've never heard mammoth David Mammoth and Nancy Myers in the same sentence. That's really something. Yeah, I was not expecting to get into like Artura theory today. This well, took a no. wild turn. <laughs> that's that's why this podcast is the best because you never know where it's going to go. No, I uh, first of all, uh, mammoth on Myers or Myers on mammoth would be incredible. I want them each to write a script. I want them to swap and I want them to direct. Wow. how the other person would do it. <laughs> I think that if, would be if, super cool. Um, David Mamet. If that happened, if that happened in like 1995, I'd be on board. But now I don't know. Yeah, I think both of them, that would be a kind of weird moment in yeah. their life to do. All right, so let's just yeah. give them the scripts that they wrote in 95. Um, so Nancy Myers can direct Homicide. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay, uh, what do I like about Nancy Myers? I, again, that mammoth esque like, this is not how people talk, but this feels real to what people are trying to say. Um, I think that uh, the way that she modulates her comedy 
and the drama is really good. I mean, you made a joke about the kitchens, but I think that there is something to be said about the way that she art directs her movies to give a sense of place and a, and a uh, person like there's that's where the budget that's where the budget goes is the production oh, the production fuck, yeah <laughs> she's she's, she's uh, the female uh fincher she's fussy as fuck and that's why her movies are great well speaking of kitchens to kind of drive us back onto topic How uh, dare you? i think i think what's funny is you know you were mentioning the blackberry being kind of the status symbol of like things that People are like, yeah, my my phone can do all of this stuff. And people are like, what do you do with your phone? Eh, just call my mom, you know, <laughs> and just like, OK. And I think kitchens are like that. I think I was surprised you didn't go down this route. You know, speaking of things that, you know, are being sold to people, but they don't actually utilize. This is sports cars. Like absolutely, like the amount oh, of Porsches man. that I Dude. see on the road that n- will never go near a track is absurd. So and I, one time in D.C., I was going to meet a friend and he and his girlfriend were having dinner at a very fancy restaurant. Um, And he was like, come in, grab a drink with us and we can go. And I was like, totally. And I walked up and was forcefully told I could not enter this restaurant <laughs> Because I was wearing jeans and Converse and like uh, a black t-shirt and a a like really dirty mechanics jacket. And um, so I called him. I was like, dude, they're not letting me in. You got to come out. He's like, we just ordered a glass of wine. I'm not going to tell my girlfriend to chug. So like just hang out outside or something. And I was like, fine. And I'm sitting outside chain smoking. And uh, the people on the inside are staring at me because they want me to leave. Um, but so this guy and his, not my friend, but a different man and his girl come out and the valet brings up his like insanely like wedge shaped, like s- close to the ground, expensive as fuck, ultra wide sports car. Right. With the gull wing doors and everything. And so they get in. Right. And he makes a big show of like revving the engine. Like he's about to rip it at 70 and like drive into the night. And he goes, I don't know, 12 feet and then hits the line of cars that's waiting at a red light. And I (laughs) just like laughed my ass off and he could hear me through his open window. And I suddenly felt very unsafe. But yeah, it's that thing. It's like, you don't fucking need that in D.C. Like, who do you think you're impressing? Like, this is the most insane thing I've ever heard. Like, it takes an hour and a half to go 10 miles in this city. Anyway, yeah. yeah, so that's that's what it is. It's that status symbol. It's absolutely insane, and it's what people want. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, it's funny. So I'm curious, Daniel. Um, mm-hmm. What do you? What great Canadian invention do you think will be the next Matt Johnson movie? Oh, man. Great Canadian invention. What are the other great Canadian inventions? The phone? The, well, we just did that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Basketball? Uh, he does a prequel to this. <laughs> No, you know what's funny is I'm ra- I'm ra- there there's a there's a film not a film series but there's a a well known you can ask any Canadian uh, Canadian Heritage Minute there's a uh, um, there was basically like a, a imagine like a TV commercial but it was it was for being Canadian and so they would be like they were some of them were really impressively made little like thirty second forty five second uh, moments in Canadian history um, that then sort of spoke to you know. Uh, the good and the bad of what of what's happened in the country, including like inventing, like James Nathan's inventing basketball in Canada. Um, so uh, I'm racking my brain thinking like, what are the noteworthy 
Canadian Heritage Minutes that could be turned into full feature-length films. And that's where I'm stuck right now. I'm thinking I'm thinking about the basketball one. It's it's a true story. If you go to any Canadian and say, but I need these these baskets back, they'll know exactly what you're talking about. That's guaranteed. That's guaranteed. <laughs> so what's, what's funny is when you said the telephone, I immediately flashed back to the Sopranos when uh Anthony Soprano oh, yeah. I gotta call him Anthony. <laughs> Tony Soprano like gets fucking angry as shit yeah because he's yeah. like and like alexander grant bell didn't invent the telephone antonio yeah. Yucci. Yeah. well what's <laughs> funny what's funny about canada is that it's like <clears throat> didn't you find out these guys were like they just happened to be in canada at the time or something like they're not like like alexander <laughs> grant bell i think is scottish james Naismith was just like he was in canada like I, he's like anyway it's it's funny like sometimes it's a bit of a tangential thing but we're very we're very happy to own it which is explained sort of like why this movie it's like there's a certain there's a certain buzz about it that's uh, that's in canada that's offset that offsets like the what is this another movie about a product because in canada it's like it's like wow it's our product yeah exactly i i I can't help but feel like that's kind of like it's unlikely it's such an unlike in one sense it's such an unlikely it's unlikely enough that they that this happened in in real life that that then there would be and it's unlikelier still that they would have made a movie about it and they're because so it, aggressive yeah. about being from Waterloo. Isn't there a point where they scream like, I'm from fucking Waterloo? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Howard does. Famous, yeah. yeah he's, he screams that at the NHL board as he's yeah. leaving, yeah. yelling at, at multiple billionaires, calling them, calling them, what is he? He says something derogatory to them. And then it's just like, I'm a fucking shark. I'm from Waterloo. And you're just like, oh, you, just got, you just got kicked out of this meeting, dude. Like you're not winning here. The punchline is I'm I'm from Waterloo where the vampires hang out, which yes. I don't even know where that's, I don't even know. Like, what just, what just, is that? I don't, I honestly, I, I couldn't really I tell know. you. I'm, I'm going to say that shit all the time. Like no matter yeah. what's going on, I'm going to be like, I'm from, you know, Washington, DC. Where the, well, actually you could probably, if I say that people yeah. are going to think it's a QAnon thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> careful. Got to be careful. Yeah, yeah. I'm but if, if, Glenn, of- if Glenn Howerton was nominated for an Oscar, hopefully that would be that would be the clip they would play. But. I thought he was good enough that not, I want to say good enough. I think that he's it's such a strong enough performance that I it will be in my mind for year end voting mm-hmm. for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think they're probably going to make that push too. I mean, IFC mm-hmm. is pretty good about that. I mean, like I don't know. I like that was obviously a great scene, but I think the scene where he the like, issue. He walks in and he's suddenly got a secretary and he's just like yeah. really inserting. Oh, I himself. love that yeah. scene. Like, yeah. and it's funny because his all of that, uh, all of that sequence, that middle part of that sequence when when Matt Johnson, you know, playing Doug is like trying to talk Jay Baruchel into like standing up for himself, and Jay's just like, no, this guy's making sense. Like, I, mm-hmm. I love that entire like you know, putting the team together kind of thing. Uh, I I really enjoyed that span of the film. Not that I disliked the rest of it, but I mm-hmm. really, really like them kind of feeling each other out and kind of marking their territory and stuff yeah, like that. Getting the yeah. band together is probably one of my favorite tropes in, <laughs> mm-hmm. in cinema. Just I love people getting together and then, you know, when all the fallout happens, it's like yeah. a little bit less interesting. But mm-hmm. what I really loved about this movie was that that it, it really kind of plays as a love triangle in a way. Um, oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, I get the, you know, as the company grows and it scales up and they hire, you know, what essentially like, you know, people to 
keep the workers going. Like, I forget the, the name of the Michael character. Michael Ironside. Thank yeah. you. I was yeah. going to call Charles him. Purdy. Yeah. 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 The all-star, so, the all-star team there. Yeah. Yeah. So when they finally get that person, it's like, there's a part of me like, yeah, I should be sad that folks are losing the company culture that, that really worked for them and made them want to be there. And at the same time, it's like, get your fucking asses in gear. Like, <laughs> I know. We have a business to run. What are you doing? There's, you know, there's 100% that, like, a part authoritarian of me. side of me that really came out. Yeah, there's 100% a part of me that in in that moment I was like, I get it. Like I'm like I you know, as a I, like I what's funny is I knew people who were like I'm interested to see what you think of these movies because you helped to run a business. Like you know, you've got air and again like Tetris and this movie about like, you know, this is what it takes to create a product and bring it to market. And it's like I fucking done that. Like I mm-hmm. had a, on a super small scale, I had to enter a workforce i had to do all this stuff i had like <clears throat> here's a plug for inkwell whiskey uh if you go to inkwellwhiskey.com and check out how my whiskey looks like first of all i designed that web page second of all i helped to design the logo and the label and i created the mash bill and i like became friends with the farmers and everything like so i am on the level of that and so when in in this movie when like everyone's like well where's doug and doug is just like blasting some music and like listening to a tape and he's got like ninja turtles secret of the ooze on vhs i am like (laughs) yeah but dude you run a like this is a fucking huge company now like you like do that shit some other time like i just Mm -hmm. there is a part of me that i'm like i don't know that i can ever become part of a business that grows bigger than like maybe like a couple people that i am actually friends with because i would very rapidly switch into like it's fucking business time. <laughs> like, let's yeah. get this shit going. But in the in the context of the movie, though, I think in that opening sequence where they first sort of get to working together, and the, by that point, uh, Lazaridis has already created, like, he already has the phone idea. Like, well, they, oh, sorry, I didn't say, but the, the phone idea is the first thing. They've already come up with it. So th- mm-hmm. there's an idea there that's like, if they had stayed true to their roots so to speak mm-hmm. and had figured out a way to thread the needle like 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 basically the 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 demands of capital are such that you have to scale up and become this large operation and have guys like uh, purdy there uh um, um my so scared like you have to sort of be uh lean and mean and 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 going after people but then as a result they don't like they they're unable to uh, maintain their culture in any way and then like they are lazaridis loses himself like the film doesn't give a lot of background to him or Balsili. And this is part of the reason why I don't think Howerton will, will be up for any sort of awards. Cause there's no, there's in one sense, there's not a lot of, um, uh, him sort of there. There's no, yeah. there's no sympathy to his character. Like there is, and there isn't like you, you, you do kind of feel for him when he's, when he's gonna, when he starts losing, but you're also like, yeah, but you're, there's no, like in the social network, you're like, this, I, this guy's a bit of a jerk. But you're also like, oh yeah, but he's a he's a nerd loser that's kind of on the outside. Like you kind of feel you feel for him a little bit in in a weird, compl- a complicated way. But in this one, it's like you're, you're you're he's designed sort of to be this shark that you don't necessarily like. What motivates him is to be the boss, which is something we definitely can all acknowledge. Like we we, we can recognize that, and and people do operate like that. Our our society operates like that. But then, you know, it doesn't work out. So then you sort of there's kind of a it's kind of almost like a gleefulness of like yeah. Look at these guys. They didn't figure it out because, the, and this is the, the the irony of it is that you're you turn on Matt Johnson's character because it's like, oh man, get your act together. 
But then the flip side is that if they had sort of maintained that kind of culture, maybe they would have invented the next thing. Maybe they would have just as they did the first time. I, I, maybe that's a crazy idea, but it's just like they, they're they so out of touch with where they started that then there's they're they're so. And that's I mean, as the film goes along, it's like they're 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 just riding this thing right to the end and they have no sort of vision for anything else outside of that that little world they've created for themselves or well, little world. I, I, I think I think there's a couple of things. I think the first thing is I, I know quite a few uh you know, programmers and um, engineers and stuff like that. And there is, there is an element of a crossover and, and Doug is kind of that here where he can talk a little bit to the outside world, but he can Mm. also talk to his engineers and he Mm. can also talk and, and, and speak to what he needs to. Um, And Jay Baruchel's character kind of is, is a little bit of that middle ground. He cannot speak he cannot he has no any any kind of like momentum or confidence in himself until he sees something that is going wrong and then he's like whoa 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 and if he knows how to fix it he's going to speak his mind and he's going to speak up and he does that in that initial board meeting where you know they're like oh we only got 11 phones to work this isn't going to fucking work and he's like well hold on yeah, y'all did that wrong. Y'all, you know, treated these phones as the clients and you're supposed to treat them as their own servers. And, you know, he goes on this long rant and you realize that like he has a lot of passion, but he is kind of this introvert that isn't going to speak up and isn't going to do that until he sees that he's kind of in his own element. And I've I've seen that in the tech world where the people that can speak on both sides of that, right? Mm-hmm. Speak to the boardroom and speak to the engineers are incredibly valuable. Sure. And the engineers are just kind of the worker bees. Like they're introverted. They don't they don't go out of their shell. You know, they they kind of maintain their own kind of status quo and stuff like that. They're not risers in a way. Um, they're just really good at doing what they do. And they just, you know, th- I mean, part of it is like, why the fuck did you get into engineering? Because like, I don't like people. <laughs> you know, it's like, I want to fucking mess and like create tech. Like, that's what I want to do. And so, yeah. And his, his um, character really needs to figure out that he is the boss. You know, that's exactly part of his journey. And, and I think, I think that's the interesting thing that's going on here is it is talking about, you know, you hear about the Googles, you hear about, you know, I worked for two of these tech companies. I worked for Zillow and Redfin. I've seen what that culture does and I've seen kind of that relaxed nature and like having great, great vibes and like all of this stuff. And it, it breeds creativity because what it's trying to do is it's trying to breed a, a friendly sharing atmosphere where we're all people peaceful we're all chilling we're all having fun and we're getting work done and there's so there's the a very there's a yes there's a the very fine done. there's a very fine balance and it i don't think ironside's character is given a lot of credit here but at one point when barishel is like ranting at his engineers about like how they can't come up you know the storm idea and like 
this is very simple guys and like mm-hmm. all this stuff and at one point ironside's character like pulls him outside and it's like we can't fucking make this like you, you yeah. like we're already over over uh you know burdened with trying to create the other phone that now we're and so he kind of sticks up for his own workers in that sense. Mm-hmm. And I think you need someone in that way of Doug, but a little bit more like on the straight and narrow mm-hmm. that actually knows what needs to be done in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, to be very frank, BlackBerry as a company, I think, again, they were top dog they basically they did in a lot of ways create this new tech you know they really revolutionized it they just got sideswiped by the biggest invention since the cell phone like <laughs> yeah. i'm sorry yeah. like yeah. no like that was a like, revolution yeah, you got steamrolled like that's just yeah. so do we think if and, they and and the, the storm was such a colossal failure because of like the giant recall and getting sued and everything do we think that like if they had just stayed the course and like done buttons, would they have eventually like, I don't know. Like it, it would have been fine. I think prognosticate like that. But. Mm. I, I think, I think splitting share with Apple would have been fine. They would have, they would have probably bounced down to like 20% or whatever. People would have, you know, realized that the iPhone was not as great as it initially was kind of billed as um, they would have what? eventually opened, what? What? Well, the, the like the first iPhone was kind of a. I mean, it was good. Yeah, it was. It, was, it, it wasn't. It wasn't like. I don't know. You couldn't call anybody on the phone. Like, <laughs> I already went over this. Yeah, it, it was. It was great at doing everything but being a phone. Um, and so I think. They yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying, but like, it was still far and away better than anything we had encountered before. Right, but right. I'm wondering, like, if the if the if BlackBerry hadn't, in response to, you know, getting right. past, shot itself in the leg with a shotgun, if they had instead just, like, turtle-like said, okay, well, I'm just going to keep doing but, what but, I'm but, doing. But, like, no, but that's the thing. But but that's fundamentally, that doesn't work with, like, what you're what you're getting at is an idea of, like, not uh, that runs antithetical to, like, the entire capitalist sort of idea. Like, you have to keep growing and inventing and... And, and 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 expanding your market share so because if you're not expanding it then you're losing it so no so sure. like the film the film obviously there's a there's a personality thing here like the film gets at the idea that like like Lazaridis be, tries to become like the like more like Balsali in yeah, a way but, like, it doesn't, but it doesn't work yeah. and Balsali obviously is in his own world in his own world fighting chasing after this nhl dream if he had which, just liked hockey a little less where yeah exactly right yeah we like have there, there's an idea we'd have yeah, hockey cars there's an idea there where maybe it's it's obviously specific to like the 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 personalities in play but but there's also this idea that like these companies can't allow themselves to mean may be static they, there's a, a a constant push to come up with the next thing because if you don't come up with the next thing then you're a dinosaur and in the tech world that feels particularly uh, sort of uh, resonant because it's like that's the whole game in a in a way. It's like it's not enough to just create something that's solid for five years. You have to come up with the next thing that's solid for another five years, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Otherwise, you know, it, it, you go nowhere. I, this made me think of another product that almost became a movie. Uh, Seth Rogen, I think, licensed what was the name of that book? The book about Sega. There was a book about the console mm-hmm. wars. It was about oh. Nintendo versus oh. Sega. 
there's a book about Nintendo versus Sega, and most of it is about Sega because in the 80s, Nintendo had like you know 90% of the video game share, and then Sega at one point, at one brief for one brief instance, they they took the lead. But yeah, because they had the this, whole like what Nintendo and Sega does. Yeah, yeah. They were like, ooh, so, we're 16 bit. We're fucking ba- all over this yeah. shit. Basically, what they had was good marketing. But what's interesting oh, is yeah. is this is the parallels where they started to overpromise and underdeliver. They started doing this, trying to do that, trying to experiment with this, and all the ideas didn't quite work. And if they had maybe just stuck with what they were good at or figured out a way to sort of streamline what they're trying to do, but they had to they 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 had to keep growing. They had to keep going. They they weren't content with just being, you know, eight percent of the market. They had to be 40, 50, 60, keep going. And in as a result, ways, that's, they that's lose. Like a, but like, in so, you know, it's it's hard because like in some ways that is admirable to like to not become complacent, but only if you're still creating good ideas. Right. <laughs> like right. you can't. Yeah. Like one of the one of the things that I like about um, Schmidt Spirits, uh, the 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 company that my friend and I have made together it would be very easy for us to chase certain trends that we see other people having success with, but because we have no interest in them um, and because we know that we would fundamentally not do it as well as we do everything else we do, if we just trace them just for the hell of it, like we don't do it. You know, we're not, we're not doing all the flavored whiskeys. We're not doing the creams and stuff mm-hmm. that other people are doing. Cause like we don't like those things. And so like, how could we possibly, but like the things that we have made, the people who come and try them like are very passionate about, like they love them and they connect mm-hmm. with them and like that, that feels good. And so like I, if you were, if, if I were to create, you know, seven more types of whiskey and someone were to come in and be like, well, that's, you know, capitalism is you have to do it. It's like, well, also it's just good to not become complacent. It's good to continue to try to innovate as long as mm-hmm. you're doing it for the right reasons and you're doing it because you feel like you have something to say in that space and I unfortunately, the iPhone just created this massive crisis of confidence that made them implode. And so I think what's interesting is that, like, maybe if maybe if they hadn't, maybe if, again, like if, if hockey had never been invented, um, <laughs> if Balsley was still there, he might have said, like, that's a terrible fucking idea. We're no, not but doing see, that's, that. And, yeah, and instead, but... they they like, well, we take a generation or two. We wait for the tech of the iPhone to get better, and then we just steal that and make it our own thing. It's like it's just such a weird idea to be like, we're gonna do a screen and it's gonna click. Like, why don't you wait a year or two for touchscreens to get better and just see what you can do in that? Like, why there's just like he fundamentally misunderstood his own product and 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 innovated in a wrong direction. It's it's just it's it but lets you know that like the, there is a point at which like you he probably should have just not held on so tightly and he should have let go and I think that's like what's tragic about it when he when he opens that box and it is a complete he's like unpackaging the greatest uh, that was he such a made great himself. I love that scene dude that is so it, good. it perfectly um you know it perfectly parallels the beginning of the movie where mm-hmm. you know, uh-huh. he's stuck in that office. Mm-hmm. waiting to pitch their shitty little product. It wasn't really that shitty, but you know, they don't know what they're doing. And he gets so hyper focused on fixing the buzzing in this guy's yeah. intercom. Yeah. And yeah. because he's just like, well, why not make it perfect? Why settle for crap? 
And right. and in that moment, he is yeah. in another person's office. He has only one little tiny shitty prototype, but he's sitting next to like his best friend. And in this in this other version, this like final scene, he's in a massive warehouse surrounded by the millions of dollars worth of material that he's created alone and that fucking hum is there and this time it's his fault because he put yeah. crap into the world which is yeah. what he said he would never do it's like yeah. it's one of those scenes that would remind me of something like i mean not to not to put too fine a point on it but like a citizen kane you know where the guy has everything that sure. he wants yeah. and he's all alone mm-hmm. you know it's like it was all for naught in a way well it's, it's the it's the end of the it's like at the end of social network where he's uh, just to use a tech example where it's like he's he's gained the whole world but he's alone right. like he's he clicking clicking that yeah. friend request is yeah if his ex-girlfriend will like accept his friend request like it's like and in that movie there's more of a sympathetic i mean well lazarus is a bit sympathetic because you feel for him he he starts with as kind of a lovable loser and then he becomes what something he should not have become and like was not very good at. And then it's like, and now he re and then at the end he's, he's, he's been undone by the very thing he said he would never do. Be and careful like, what you wish yeah. for. Monkey yeah, positive, yeah. All that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's also funny though, because his, his competitor actually is the one that went to China, right? Like Foxconn and all of this stuff. The iPhone is very much produced in China. So yeah, yeah. he was he was so resistant to the idea of China making his products that he got outdone, you know, out out outplayed by someone that actually went out and was like, oh, no, no, no. Like and, you know, it is funny that they mention, you know, they're going to take a a five hundred dollar subsidy on on these phones. And like this is one of the most expensive like pieces of tech out there, period. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you don't make it's the like, money off the phone, yeah. you make the money off the data. It's the plants. It's the plants. <laughs> and you know, I, I think I think one of the most interesting things I think is maybe having that singular wireless guy. Like, I want to see a documentary on that guy. Like, because that was that was game changing, right? Like that's that's yeah. that's that's that next step where you know someone's playing chess and someone else is playing 4d chess and you're just like oh fuck like when you think (laughs) about the way that we exist with our technology now like especially with like something as ubiquitous as a cell phone like when i got my first cell phone i was like buy this phone it is your phone you will have this phone for years probably until it Mm -hmm. dies and you get another one because like the the changes to it would be incremental you know, like the razor is like, oh shit, it's a flip phone, it's super thin, it goes in the pocket. And then and now you can't straight up just purchase a fucking phone. Like you have to sign an agreement to basically lease it and live with it. And then it's like I, I remember my family and well, I had this yeah, that, incredibly that's... Byzantine way of like, okay, so like you've reached the point at which you can upgrade your upgrade. phone with the turn in and you get it for this and that but make sure that you don't do this because we don't all want to have to do it and now it's like i walk in and they're like yeah so you know you lease it it becomes this and but then hey in in a year you'll be able to get a new one and you just swap it out it's like yeah but i'm not a tech chaser but like most people are like we've gotten to that point of like it is the status symbol to be like, oh, you only have the 14, I have the 15. I don't even know what what iPhone. It's not just a status symbol, though, because like the camera on my current phone 
is wildly better than the camera on my previous well phone. i just use a camera as a camera so oh my god yeah. so i i agree with robin <laughs> said like specifically like to definitely <laughs> it's funny because erica and i had this conversation where we we both upgraded our iphones uh i think the last model and she got she got the new model that just came out but our her our justification for upgrading our phones because i was like I like my phone. Do you need to upgrade yours? And she was like, no. But the only thing that we take photos with is our phones. And so it made sense to upgrade that piece of tech if it was a big jump in in terms of the camera. And it was a big jump in terms of the camera. And so it was like, okay, this makes sense. Like, let's go get the biggest, nicest iPhone with the nicest camera that we can. And what it's turned into is a couple of things, Brian. I think it's funny that you say we can't buy the phone outright. You very much can. I, I own my phone. You can you can pay it right there, or you can even do a monthly pay, payment plan and still own the phone. Um, I I think it was two or three generations ago of iPhone. I bought my phone outright because I was just like, I don't want to deal with like having to sign a monthly agreement or anything like that. So I just fucking bought it. And you can buy them. Uh, they're expensive, <laughs> so you don't you don't you don't you don't get the you know, spread that cost around, but Apple will definitely let you buy it and then put it on a payment plan. So you can just be like, all right, I'll just pay for it monthly, 0% interest. Here we go. Let's do this. And you pay it off in two years. And then you're like, all right, cool. Now I, I own my phone. I don't have to deal with any kind of, you know, I could sell it on the open market if I wanted to, or sell it to iPhone. And that's what most people do is they're not concerned with how much it costs because they never actually see that bill. They keep turning it in year after year after year. So they turn their iPhone in to, for another iPhone. And so, yeah, it it will eventually cost $800, $900, but they only pay $300, $400 and then turn that phone in and then pay another $300, $400 and then turn that. So it's just like this incremental thing where yeah if you're in that ecosystem it doesn't cost a lot to continue to stay in that ecosystem and still have that new phone so it kind of makes sense for a lot of people where they're just like fuck it like i i'm never gonna pay a thousand dollars for this phone i'll pay 300 and then turn it in the next year so it's and yes at a certain point and this this is definitely a thing that you know, iPhone and Apple and and some of these other manufacturers have gotten criticized recently for was after a certain generational leap, it became like, okay, what are, what are we doing? Like, wh- what is the new thing? And it it just hasn't happened yet, right? Like, it's it's been a couple of years where it's no longer like a game changer that you know all this other stuff. Like for me the game changer that happened a while ago was in the cars, not in the phone. And that was CarPlay. That was having a screen on, on, on your, on your, in your vehicle and being able to look at a map, being able to control your, your music directly from there. Like that shit is, (laughs) I will never have a car that doesn't have CarPlay again, like just straight up. I will say like one of the just 
we should wrap up soon. But I want to say that the, the thing that I've hated most in tech is when cars, rather than like integrating a screen, will just kind of make it seem like someone stapled an iPad to your dash. So if cars could stop uh-huh. doing that. No, no screens in cars. They got to go uh, back I have to tactile. I have buttons. a gigantic screen in mine, and it's oh. it's yeah, it looks I like an look iPad is attached to it. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I remember no. I remember the oh, Tesla. Much. That's awesome. Wait, what is the Tesla? <laughs> the Tesla is like a full like the whole center console is basically a screen. All right, it's I'm, terrible. I Googled Tesla really screen. Oh fuck that! Yeah, that's <laughs> terrible. It, the one I, thing I have to say, I love being in Teslas. Like I, I didn't even know what it was. Because you love Elon Musk so much. No, I don't. But I, I, I got (laughs) into the Uber and I was like, "Damn, this is a nice car." And it was only then I found out it was a Tesla. So that was like an organic reaction. (laughs) (laughs) So completely devoid of your hero worship of Elon Musk. I don't hero worship Elon Musk. Ironically, they need to take much more now. The Tesla has to take a lesson from BlackBerry and get back to tactile buttons that have clicks and 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 a touch to it because you need that when you're driving a car. That's very important. I um I would I if I want Apple I want to at some point Apple's got to release like a 25 year like anniversary like click wheel iPod right like because they know they'll make a shit ton of money on it and like they can just do it again. <laughs> I want it. I want it back. I love it. Like you could put a new uh, thing on it so you can plug it into like current iPhone stuff. But like, I miss the click wheel. I liked the click wheel there. There's a thing that I miss about the scrolling and the, it's just anyway, that's just me going nuts. But yeah, I, I think cars need to get back more to tactile buttons and stuff. Cause like they do, it's a real safety measure. It's yeah, it's a fucking nuts. I, um, I got a Forester, a 2020 Forester. I got like a couple months ago. And it's got the screen, and it's got the car play, but it's not too much. Like, there's still buttons on the bottom. I still control all oh, my yeah. air and stuff through knobs and stuff. But, like, there are cars that, like, like this fucking Tesla thing that I'm looking at, where it's literally, like, a small, up like, a sideways TV. And that's just too much, man. I fucking hate mm-hmm. it. Way too much in a car. My car still has uh, automatic uh, mechanical roll-up windows, so I mean, I'm no, I'm no judge here. I oh, suppose, so you like but, wind them, like with the thing? yeah, yeah. Damn. My car is uh, old enough. My car is old enough to vote, so it's uh, I'm kind of well, out of the car discussion. I, 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 I drive in three, and it's still, it's still allowed <laughs> yeah. me to use a button. <laughs> uh, I, I, I drive a a work truck that that is the weirdest combination of tech because it has roll down windows, but it's got CarPlay. <laughs> wow. Weird. Yeah. I, yeah. um, I, when I, so I had like a 2003 Saturn ion and when it finally died and my mechanic convinced me to go buy a new car, that's how fucking bad it was. She was like, I will continue to fix this car for you, but you might want to think about just buying a new car. Like we, we have used cars here on the lot. You, you could go anywhere, but like the amount of money that it's going to take you to fix this car is a down payment at a certain point. car payments for a new car. I was like, all right, fine. Um, anyway, should have so, gotten a Toyota, <laughs> but it, so it was funny because I go to the dealership with a friend of mine. Who's like a real car guy. And he's like, okay, man. So like you got pre-approved for X amount of money. Um, like how, you know, so you get, all these different things. Like, what do you want? Like, what are the things you want? I was like, you know, I really, I would love Bluetooth. He's like, that's standard and on everything pretty much. Like anything you get here is going to have Bluetooth. I was like, okay, well, power windows, obviously he's like, power windows are standard. 
think about something else. I was like, oh, okay. Ooh, an aux cable. He's like, standard. I was like, uh, <laughs> shit. Okay. Um, ooh, a backup camera. He's like, standard. What the fuck, dude? I was like, I was driving a 20-year-old car. <laughs> Everything is new to me. I'm going to be happy no matter what. Stop pressuring me. Get this man a Blackberry. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's like one of those things though. It's funny that like, you know, talking about like we have to get back to tactile buttons, like the like the simple phone movement has become a thing recently too. Like, you know, people are hmm. paying a lot of money for these phones that like don't do shit because they just need a way to still be in touch in case of emergencies but not be overwhelmed by literally everything else that a phone will do. Well, doesn't this fit, doesn't this fit right into what we were talking about, Dave? They come up, there's only a minute in a minute. So you've sold people on smartphones. Now you sell them on dumb phones. Dumb, now you, yep. like, it just, oh, dumb phones was definitely cycle, a thing. Yeah. The cycle what, continues. The cycle what, continues. What was it called? It was, it was called like the cricket or that's no, cricket wireless, but uh, fuck. I, and Oh, the Jew, Jew, but June bug. Oh, June. the jitterbug for old people? Yeah, yeah the jitterbug. Oh, is it called the jitterbug? I thought it was called the cricket. No, no, no. The cricket no, is cricket wireless. Jitterbug is by Great Call, and it is it is you know, it's one of those things where they're like, Oh, like, you know, we have like it's a, it's big, a flip easy phone. to read buttons and <laughs> like, you know, yeah, it's for old like, people. Yeah. Yeah. No, but there's yeah, one... it's called the jitterbug. So I'm trying what? to find what it was. There was there was a there was like a, a phone that was like an e ink and it can only do like so many things. Oh, uh, okay. oh I think it's the light phone. It's called the light phone. L I G H T, not L I T E. It's not a beer. Um, and it's like well, fucking light is expensive. Both. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's just stupid expensive, and um, I don't know, but it, like it looks cool, like it's, especially in terms of its aesthetics, where it's like this black slab with a matte screen, and you know, so that's cool. Um, yeah, minimalist phone without internet. Oh, by the way, we talked about fake rock bands earlier. I found the one I was thinking of. It's called Threaten, I think, or Threaten. T H R E I or no T H R E A T I N. And it's a it's a Los Angeles rock band that's accused of faking their entire fan base in order to book a European tour that no one came to. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the guy used fake show footage that was edited to make it look like he paid in front of a large crowd. He bought YouTube views, event RSVPs, and Facebook likes to make the band's page look like it had over 38,000 likes. It wasn't until Threaten's tour kicked off in November that red flags started popping up on social media. The Underworld, the venue that hosted the show, made a post saying the band's agent claimed to have sold 291 tickets in advance, but only three people showed up. Oh my god! So I, I think I'm gonna get. I think I'm gonna get my mom this light phone. <laughs> oh, do it. Anyway, um, so anyway, go check out Light Phone. It's uh, it's pretty cool looking. Can't deny that. But um, it is, I, and their website's fucking light. It is shit not too. It's not. It is. It is not expensive, Brian. Oh, it's not. I thought it was. Oh, How it's two hundred and fifty it? bucks, dude. Oh, what was I? Maybe I'm thinking of a different phone. Anyway, I will uh keep looking that up. Man, if it's only two hundred bucks, I'm gonna get a light phone. Anyway. Uh, this has been a joy. Daniel, <laughs> do you have any final thoughts you'd like to throw out before we say goodbye? 
Uh, I'm, I hope that I, I explained all of Canada, the whole entirety of the country uh, in this past two hours. And uh, I hope uh, people enjoy BlackBerry because I, I would like it to succeed. And uh, that's my that's my piece. All right. Yeah. And I hope people like it, too, because it's a it's a really good movie. I quite enjoyed it. Um, so that's it for today. Uh, we hope you all have enjoyed us talking about not just BlackBerry the movie, but BlackBerry the phone. Uh, recollections of tech past and our opinions about all manner of things and also getting to hear me finally talk about uh air which was a fun movie that i saw and quite enjoyed uh robin Barr, what are we talking about next week master gardener yes excellent paul schrader i am here for it are you excited robin mm, i saw it <laughs> are you excited robin <laughs> it's better than the card counter and that was total dog shit for me so okay well that's interesting i love it's not saying much counter, so yeah i know it was uh, your number one movie that was like was my that was like i think so it was like my however many movies i saw that year like maybe 200 that was like mid 200th movie interesting all right um well yeah so look forward to us talking about the master the master gardener or a master gardener I think it's just Master Gardener. God damn it. (laughs) Uh, That's a a rare return to the running joke that I can't understand the articles that go in front of movies. And this time, apparently inventing one whole cloth. So anyway, we'll be talking about Master Gardener. Look forward to that. Uh, Gotta love me some Schrader. Um, Before that, uh, let me remind everyone to go to patreon.com slash filmstage show to give us your money. And uh, do the other thing that I always tell you to do, which is uh, try out Mubi for free for 30 days by going to MUBI.com. We didn't talk a lot about the music in this movie, but there's a lot of great music. And Mubi has a podcast about great music in movies. Excellent needle drops. Check it out. Uh, wherever you can find podcasts. It's the Mubi podcast. Needle on the record. Um, let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we, uh, we have a, a group chat phone call <laughs> for their amusement. Let's start with Daniel Reynolds. Uh, you can find me at uh, AK Reynolds, uh, sorry, AK underscore Reynolds on Twitter and uh, brieftake.com where I write all my reviews. All right, Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me yelling at my smart internet uh, device uh, at the office. Uh, voiceover IP was a disaster and should have never been invented. Um, <laughs> You can also find me on Instagram at Billstagram. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG, but I don't tweet much. But I do message in the Slack channel, so always can find me there as well. All right, Robin Barr. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. I'm also on Letterboxd, and uh, you can sometimes find my writing at The Hollywood Reporter. Nice. As for me... You can find uh, all of my stuff all over the internet at Brian Jerome, brianjerome.com, uh, inkwellwhiskey.com, where you can learn more about the product that I made and brought to the market. Um, soon to be a major motion picture. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and uh, don't forget that uh, you can find every episode of this year's podcast over at thefilmstage.com, where you can also still read my Peter Pan and Wendy review. So if you haven't done that yet, uh, do it. Um, but that is enough of us today uh thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time